With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Milwaukee Bucks podcast joining you here on a Wednesday, the day after the headbutt heard round Milwaukee. My name is J.R. Radcliffe, host of the podcast. On the other line, of course, is Matt Velasquez. He's the Bucks beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And uh, the Milwaukee Bucks pick up a win against the Washington Wizards on Tuesday night. It's their third in the bubble. They're three and five, three and four, I should say, with one more game to play. But uh, but no one's talking about the outcome. We knew. I mean, the outcome doesn't matter. The Bucks are the top seed in the East, so uh, they sealed that up with a with a pretty dramatic comeback win against the Miami Heat uh, a few games earlier. But, uh, but the, the big story is Giannis Atetokounmpo facing, we assume, a suspension of either one or more games into the playoffs, potentially, after he headbutts Mo Wagner. And uh, that's, that's a tough beat. That's, that's the story everyone seems to be focused on. You, uh, I know you were on the Zoom calls afterwards. Giannis was very apologetic about it. What, uh, <laughs> what is your thought here? I mean, this is, it's hard to defend this. This is definitely a bad look for Giannis, a bad look for the Milwaukee Bucks, and a seemingly unnecessary one because we all know that th- this wasn't a meaningful game. So, what uh, what is your takeaway here, Matt? Well, the the biggest takeaway I had from the Bucks, you know, talking via Zoom after the game, um, was that they were kind of, you know, they obviously had their guys back. They had Giannis's back, and, and his thing uh, was it was obvious he. He was he was upset or, or frustrated or Sterling Sterling Brown used the words fed up um, with you know all the antics Giannis you know kind of listed them out of guys you know running running into him go falling under him tripping him hitting him knocking him like all the different physical things that he he deals with on a, on a daily basis um, you know and, and and Bud talked about hey like you know this is stuff that happens all the time and you know it's it's hard to to officiate you know but. When, when the calls necessarily aren't going for Giannis, when he's not getting all those calls, when, when all that physicality is not being recognized in, in the way that he feels it should, like that's the kind of thing that, that gets him frustrated. And they've had conversations with the league and they've tried to, you know, push back and, and defend Giannis, you know, not just now because he, you know, went, went a little bit further than he should have. Uh, but just in the past, they, you know, the Bucks have long felt, you know, I would say even going back to the Jason Kidd days, that that Giannis gets a lot more contact than is called and has to deal with a lot more physicality than is called, um, and so like that's just kind of been bubbling under the surface. And you know, there have been certain games where where things have you know bubbled over. I remember there was a game in um, in Denver, I want to say a year or two ago, where he fouled out and and he really got angry with the refs and eventually had to like leave the court. Um, because you know he got a technical after he had fouled out because he was just so angry with with the calls. Um, you know there was obviously the game earlier this year in Oklahoma City where he was 
Matt, maybe a little bit of the physicality, but a lot with himself and his free throw shooting and stuff like that, where he kicked through a sign uh, at you know in Oklahoma City. Um, so we've seen his temper flare up before. Um, we all remember Mike Dunleavy back in 2015. Uh, <laughs> FMD, yeah. shout out to the Reddit crowd. Yeah, and uh, Giannis body checking him into the first row of seats at the Bradley Center. Um, and, th- and that was less about cheap shots done to him as they were to cheap shots done to Michael Carter Williams, who, you know, the Bucks will see in the first round of the playoffs. Um, former, former best bud of, of Giannis. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the takeaway from like what the, the Bucks and, and Giannis were talking about. I, Giannis regretted what he did, but didn't apologize for it, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, he, he said if he could turn back time, uh, he would he would go back and, and not do it. It was a it was a terrible action, he said, and and definitely something he he shouldn't have done. Um, and and his, when his teammates told him, hey, like we need you to to not do that in the future. Like we need you on the court. Um, you know, we need you to, you know, be able to control yourself a little bit better. He's like 100 percent agree. They're 100 percent right. Um, and he he hopes it's the last time that something like this happens. Um, but it's. You know the the kind of thing where that if you look at the context, you can kind of you know understand why he was frustrated uh, and why he felt the way that he did. He I asked him if it was things that Wagner was doing specifically because Wagner had had been involved in a bunch of physical plays with him just in the first three minutes of the second quarter, and he said that it wasn't specifically him; it was just everything and everybody, uh, you know, all the things that were happening in that moment that that kind of caused him to boil over. Uh, you know, but I I think that. This, you know, the, the Bucks will take this as a learning experience, and I expect that, you know, that learning experience will extend um, through the last game of the of the seeding games. When I, I mean, I don't know when this podcast will come out and when people will hear it, but I, I assume he'll be suspended for that game uh, by the league. Yeah, and there's a few things. I mean, you're you're talking about the fact that he doesn't. You know, he typically doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't work the refs the way that some players do. And some players get criticized for doing it, and probably fairly in many cases. He doesn't, you know, he's not out there advocating from the from the first whistle to get calls. You know, he'll throw his hands up when he thinks he should have gotten one in the moment, but then he moves on very quickly. And I got to think that might ultimately work against him in situations like this. He doesn't he doesn't get the calls. And, you know, there's also the obvious that he's a seven-footer flying through traffic. He's going to, if there is a collision, be the guy who's sort of to blame for it in the eyes of an official who, who maybe doesn't see the play any better. And I think at this point the book is out on him a little bit. He's a guy who doesn't, doesn't moderate his game in any way, shape, or form when he's got, say, three fouls in the first half. He's going to go drive to the hoop. He's not going to he's not going to change the way he plays offense or defense. It's one of the reasons he's so effective on offense and defense. So, guys know that if they get into the get into the lane, you know, maybe slide their feet under him a little bit, maybe pick up an offensive foul on Giannis. I mean, that's going to be his Achilles heel. That if that teams are going to try to get him in trouble that way. Is there anything they can do about that? Is there any way that they can modify, that Giannis can modify his game or that Budenholzer can modify how he's used or, or advise him to, to sort of mitigate that? Because I do feel like the really elite teams, particularly good defensive ones like, say, the Toronto Raptors, are going to find ways to get him in, you know, get him in positions where they can draw offensive fouls on him and maybe get him frustrated. No. <laughs> I, 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 I do I think that's like, the answer. I think the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, can, are there things Giannis and Bud can do? I guess. But do they want to do those things? I would say no. Like, Giannis is going to be who he is. And and I think 
what last night or on Tuesday night was representative of and the way that they were frustrated after the game was, you know, that they want the officials to to see the the physicality that Giannis plays through. And, you know, just because he is the one kind of bringing the the aggressiveness or if he's the one being assertive doesn't mean he's necessarily the one who the foul needs to be called on. Um, so he, he needs to be able to play in such a way that he is also protected. Um, right. I think that's the, the focus that the bucks have where if guys are taking the, the defensive, you know, viewpoint or, or have the defensive game plan of trying to just draw charges on him, you know, those can be dangerous plays, especially if they slide in late where he's already off the ground. Um, I mean, you look at the the Marcus Smart play from the first game of, of the restart. Like, yes, Marcus Smart was still in the restricted area at the time Giannis started his leap, uh, and then he moved his foot out. Uh, but that kind of play, if Giannis is already up in the air and someone goes underneath him and undercuts him, I mean, that's, that's a fairly dangerous play. And that one was correctly adjudicated and... and it was a, a charge, but at first it was called a block. Oh, I, I, I mixed those up. It was called a block after review, but at first it was called a charge. You know, and that's the kind of thing the Bucks get frustrated by is that Giannis, you know, is doing all these things that you know are, are putting them in a position to to score and to you know get and ones and and things like that. Um, but they need to rely on the officials to to get the calls right, uh, and so I think. You know, organizationally, there's a, there's a lot of frustration there, and, and they're hoping that you know they don't necessarily need to change. Like, yes, Giannis probably shouldn't put his shoulder down into guys sometimes, and, and when guys are in the correct defending you know position, um, he needs to be able to recognize that and and throttle down or you know control his body to go around them or whatever. Um, you know, but the but the, the the swipes and and the hits you know as he goes up for for layups and stuff you know they they want those to be called even if he's able to still score through them quick twitter sleuthing will tell you that past headbutt infractions for Kevin Garnett for example led to only a one game suspension now i think if bucks fans learned on wednesday at some point after this posts that giannis is only suspended for the last game regular season game of the bubble i think everyone would feel like that is a massive success you know they probably i have to think weren't planning on giannis playing in that eighth game anyway but uh, I, I wonder, I, I have to think it might be a little more than that because first of all, we're in a situation where we're in this quarantine. There's, it's, it's just a, maybe a higher level of scrutiny. Also the idea of staying away from people. I know that's not, you know, the bubble allows for basketball to happen, but like we're, we're trying not to get in people's faces. That's especially important right now. And in addition to, you know, him, it's, it's just a, it's a pretty violent thing to do. Like, you know, you, you can't, you can't be throwing your head around on people. So I got to think that this could trickle into the playoffs. I think, I think if, if Adam Silver handed down just a one game punishment, that would seem pretty light to the broader audience, a, a non punishment, so to speak. How do you think it's going to end up shaking out? Yeah, I think you have a point there that, that going, um, into someone's face like that and with the, the heightened focus uh, of games in the bubble and all those things. Um, you know, that, that's, that's all important. Um, but I don't think that the NBA is going to suspend him for more than a game. I, I think we have that past precedent. Uh, I'm sure the Bucks have been and will continue to be lobbying on Giannis's behalf um, to try and explain his, his frustration and, his, and the context of what was going on and, and try and, you know, 
explain away what happened. I don't I don't think that they'll be happy with a one game suspension, but I think that they'll accept it. Um, and, and you know, there's obviously the the double sided you know coin of Giannis is the MVP and the presumptive MVP, right? So on one hand, there should be a higher standard. He should be held to a higher standard than most players. I mean, just like LeBron James and Steph Curry are held to higher standards. Um, and Kevin Durant, like, those guys are held to higher standards because they are such recognizable names and faces and brands. Like these are, you know, the NBA's top players and, you know, that, you know, these are the, the people that, you know, to, for, I, I guess I, I don't want to be that guy, but you know, these are the guys that the kids look up to, right. And kids are watching the game and, you know, you don't want those guys doing those kinds of things because, you know, that that's a really bad look for the league. On the other hand, Giannis is the MVP and the presumptive MVP for this year. And having him not play in a playoff game is probably something that the NBA isn't interested in doing. <laughs> right? That's true. Like, yeah. Like, like you want to have your best guys available, you know, for the playoffs. You don't want to hold them out. Um, and, and I think that that could kind of be a bad look. And, you know, that, you know, you wouldn't expect, uh, you know, guys of, of the same level as, you know, yeah. So if you're looking at, you know, LeBron, like Steph Curry's not there, Kevin Durant's not playing, you know, but Anthony Davis, you know, James Harden, like you wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect the NBA would suspend them for multiple games over something like this, especially if that second game was a playoff game. You know, if this happens in the playoffs, then fine. Like, like you do something in the playoffs, you get suspended for a playoff game. I think that's fair. But doing something in the regular season and and you know, missing a regular season game and a playoff game. Um, I, I just think that some of the NBA wouldn't do. So I, I'm expecting a uh, a hefty fine um, and a one game suspension. And and I think that it's something that you know Giannis and the Bucks wouldn't necessarily be happy about, but I think Giannis would take responsibility for. Um, and I think, as you kind of alluded to, I think a lot of Bucks fans would would kind of be happy with. It. I mean, granted, it's not their money that 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 is, that is being lost. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I think they'd say, great, now Giannis can't play. In Thursday's game, uh, because that means you know now, so he will be healthy for the playoffs. He, he will not have as many opportunities uh, to to get hurt or anything like that. Um, there, there's also something to think about, which is the West playoff race is insane. Like in terms of the eight nine seed, uh, and the Grizzlies are trying to hang on, you know, for dear life to to be in that that eight nine uh, playing series. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, the NBA will, will probably try to, you know, issue a, a fair punishment to Giannis, but that, you know, Giannis not playing or being, you know, suspended for that game on Thursday when he potentially could have played, uh, against the Grizzlies that could shake things up in the West playoff race. So it, it'll be interesting to see how things go. But like I said, I, I'm, I'm thinking there'll be a, a significant fine and a, a one game suspension. Yeah, if you're not watching Dame Lillard and what he's doing with the Trailblazers or Devin Booker and the, the Suns that have been one of the darlings of the bubble, like you you obviously aren't an NBA fan. This stuff is incredible. The Grizzlies in the mix as well with John Morant. The Spurs can't be counted out. Uh, it's just a wild finish. 
On the East Conference side, Eastern Conference side, we, we don't have any of that. We know who the eight teams are. We know, in fact, that the Bucks will face the Orlando Magic in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Orlando Magic, we, we got to talk about this team. Now, Now we've acknowledged a lot over the over the course of these podcasts that the first-round foe, no matter who it is, is not likely to give the Bucks a serious run for their money. I don't know if that changes if Giannis doesn't play in a game. It doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't at all. Um but let's look at the magic. Let's see sort of what odds there are that the magic can give these bucks at least a test, a push. They don't have Jonathan Isaac, who is one of their one of their big guys, came down with an injury, of course, pretty high profile case. And he is probably one of the few guys that you really thought could give Giannis and, and the Bucks fits with what he's capable of doing inside. Aaron Gordon has been banged up. I, I don't think he's ruled out or anything, but he's, you know, he came down uh, with, with, with a nasty sort of, I think a sprained knee, not a sprained knee, but just a tweak and he was held out a little bit. So they're, they're banged up. It's hard to really point to the guys that you're most afraid of. Nikola Vucevic, I feel like nobody talks about. I mean, he was an all-star a couple years ago. He's kind of faded into obscurity from there. You know, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross was out of the bubble, is going to be back in the bubble, and I think is going to be fine for this playoff series, but he, there's a little bit of uncertainty with him. Who are the guys that really stick out here? Who are the guys that could actually give the Bucks some fits that they're really going to have to game plan around? And, and you know, I've asked this question before, but what are is there any chance that Orlando could at least... You know, take a game or two. Like, what what are the what are the odds that this team gives the Bucks a, a little bit of run for their money? Uh, I'll start with the second part. Um, I guess they could take a game. I, I wouldn't really imagine them taking two, um, but they could take a game. Uh, I wouldn't predict that. If you're asking me to predict something right now, I'd say a sweep. Um, yeah, but the, the the Magic have been a team kind of going in the wrong direction uh, for a little bit. I mean, their their injury report is pretty significant. I mean, you look at I mean, granted, like they're locked into their seating. And so they did a similar thing on Tuesday where a lot of guys were out. I mean, Alfred Frucamino isn't even there. Like Mo Bamba sat out Tuesday. Michael Carver Williams sat out Tuesday. Evan Fournier sat out Tuesday. Aaron Gordon sat out Tuesday. Uh, Terrence Ross was out of the bubble. Uh, and, and then Jonathan Isaac obviously out for the season uh, with the ACL. So there's there's a lot of guys who are getting rested at this moment. Uh, I think, you know, Fournier is somebody who's obviously really good and, and has, has scored well against the Bucks in the past. He'll get some open looks or, you know, some pretty good looks uh, with the way the Bucks play. Uh, and he's shooting like 40% from three this season. Uh, Terrence Ross, you know, has had a few games uh, against the Bucks in the past where he's gotten a little hot. You mentioned Vucevic. Um, I, I don't think that he'll be able to to get much inside. He'll have to rely on his mid range and his his three point shooting with Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez patrolling the interior. Um, and then you know Markel Fultz, you know he he is uh, he's been doing some stuff in the bubble. Uh, I think he's been you know I haven't been able to watch a lot of Magic games, but I feel like I've seen a lot of Mar- Markel Fultz highlights. Um, and, and he's someone who you know has kind of been rejuvenated by his move. Uh, to Orlando after all those years, and, and, and Philly just didn't work out. Uh, and, and everybody knows the issues that, that he had there. Um, yeah, so I, I'm interested to see you know, what this would look like. Obviously, the Magic are a, a long, young team that, you know, obviously they're a John Hammond team. They're, you know, constructed in a similar fashion to the, the Bucks of, of yesteryear. Um, but without Jonathan Isaac and with some of the injuries that they have, if those injuries continue into the playoffs, like I, I don't know um, what kind of 
you know, push the Magic to be able to give the Bucks if the Bucks are able to get back to the level that they've played at and uh, over the course of the season. Uh, I mean, this is a team that the Bucks swept 4-0 this year um, and really hasn't had significant trouble with. So now we turn our attention to the Bucks themselves because it's hard to tell if this Bucks team is that same team that went 4-0 against the Magic this year. We haven't seen them maybe at their best, I think with... I think with the obvious example of, or, uh, you know, counter example of the second half against Miami when they were unbelievable, but, uh, it's hard uh, understanding. It's hard to draw conclusions from a lot of these games. We've seen mix and match lineups. We've seen guys held out for halves for full games, you know, and in some cases like the Raptors game, I think you can almost throw that one out entirely because the Raptors didn't play anybody either. So, uh, it's, it's been hard to get a gauge of where this team is. I do know there seems to be a little bit of growing concern around the team itself about some of the sloppy play. The turnovers have continued to be a problem. The, the defensive rotations have still not been crisp and, and yes, teams are making a lot of three pointers. I think that's just, I think that's just what, part of the deal when we're talking about the bucks, they're going to give those up. That's going to happen. It's not like teams are shooting, you know, an unreasonable percentage from three-point range. There are a lot of looks being allowed, but but it doesn't seem like the whole roster is clicking, particularly the second-tier guys, the bench guys, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, George Hill, Sterling Brown, Wesley Matthews, we saw leave with an injury, so that's a concern uh, from from uh, Monday night's game. So I, I, I don't know where your concern-o-meter would be with the Milwaukee Bucks. I know it's not going to be super high because we just this is not – the type of basketball that the Bucks are going to be playing when they get to the postseason—it's just—it's just not. It's—it's it's still to a degree a preseason brand of basketball. But it—it it would be nice to see them just play like the Bucks for a full, you know, a full game. So, what? Where does again? Wh- how high is your concernometer right now with what you've seen from Milwaukee? It's—it's it's really low. I mean, I—I'm not going to tell anyone how to feel. I'm not going to tell them that if they're concerned that that they're wrong. Um, but on a scale of one to 10, I think I'm probably still a two. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I, I understand the, the, there, there is a fan segment, um, that is like, Hey, like just wake me up when the playoffs get here. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like they're just, the, the bucks don't care. They don't have to care. Um, you know, a lot of people are just watching the games for entertainment and it's just kind of fun. Uh, and, and I'm kind of in a similar camp where it's like, okay, like if anything like this happens in the playoffs, like that that's more significant because right now like these games aren't necessarily indicative of very much. Um, guys aren't playing a ton of minutes. The whole team hasn't been together for, I think like literally like any game. Uh, they, they've always had somebody out or somebody limited. Um, I think maybe the, the Dallas game they had everybody, but I, I can't even remember. I mean, that game was nuts. Um, but it just, just hasn't been, what it's going to be. And so, you know, you, you kind of look at that and you have to take all these games with a grain of salt. Um, and, and I think the turnovers have, have not been great. Uh, there've been some sloppy, careless decisions, some timing issues, some, you know, missed defensive rotations, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that, you know, those are things that they can iron out. I think you saw all the second half against the, the heat, like, and, you're like, okay, like that's something that that's a game where the Bucks finally looked like themselves. They played like themselves, um, and, and they really got on a, a big roll. The kind of things that we used to see a lot during the reg- during the regular season, like games where they would just roll teams. Um, but even that game, they didn't do it the whole game. They played pretty pretty awful in the first half. 
and and that was when they had like a, a decent number of guys and um that he didn't have Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic and there's just so many caveats to everything. So I'm just waiting until the playoffs to I'm kind of reserving judgment. I'm not saying they're playing well because right now I don't I wouldn't say they're playing well. Um, but I would say is that they're they're not playing in, in with any type of urgency or the same urgency or with the same you know rotations or or players or minutes that that you'll see come playoff time. And when the Bucks do get to playoff time, they do get to meaningful games. I would expect that they'll be able to not. Not flip the switch, but you know, because there were there were many issues with with the phrasing uh, flip the switch uh, the other day. Um, you know, in post game talking to to Bud and Kyle Korver and Pat Connaughton, but I, w- I wouldn't say flip the switch, but I'd say that they'll be able to play with the requisite you know motivation and intensity and urgency, and, and when that happens, uh, the chips will fall where they may. Yeah, you brought up a couple games that I think are are. Certainly bright spots. The Miami game, yeah, they played very poorly in the first half. That was kind of a bummer. And we've seen that before against Miami, where the Bucks went down huge at halftime, came roaring back in the second half. That's certainly encouraging, especially knowing that Miami is a team that the Bucks have a pretty good chance of seeing at some point here. I mean, they, they could easily see them in the Eastern Conference. Uh, actually, I haven't checked recently. I don't know if that's locked in. That might be locked in as I say this. But uh, that's that's certainly a team that Bucks have had their eye on. Jimmy Butler didn't play in that game for Miami, so that's also a caveat you got to throw in. Against Dallas, they did have full strength. They did play what I would consider to be pretty pretty standard minutes. Uh, Robin Lopez and Sterling Brown didn't play off the bench, but everybody else was there playing 30-plus minutes. And, you know, Luka Doncic went off, had a crazy triple-double. They, the Dallas, I thought, played very well. Was able to rally late. That might be the concern. But the Bucks still, you know, they go to overtime. They lose 136-132 against a very good team from the Western Conference. So, uh, so you, you all, I mean, obviously you don't feel good about a loss, but it's not like they played poorly. So there is that also from that Dallas game is Brooke Lopez. 34 points, career high. Uh, he threw in seven rebounds as well. But now here's <laughs> this guy is not having a problem in the bubble. And I, I wonder if we just have to accept the closer to Disney, pro- the proximity to Disney is a very real thing that he is in fact, uh, he he is in fact someone who uh, who just shines brighter when he is near his, his North Star of Disney World. But what we're seeing from him is such a relief. This is not, the, the shooting he's providing is something we didn't see during the first part of the regular season that it, it had fallen off and he became become more of an interior presence first, a defensive presence first. With with him, you'd like to think, I mean, if, if the rest of the Bucks just just do what they do and Brooke Lopez continues this, I mean, we're talking about an NBA champion. So uh, what's what's working for Brooke Lopez? What's happened that he's really, he has flipped a switch, it seems like. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And I'm not sure... You know, if that's anything that he he did to to change his, his shooting or to change, um, you know, just what what he's, you know, doing on the court or any mechanical adjustments or anything like that, or if it was just getting some some rest or some chant time for extra reps or anything like that. But he has been he's been great. I think, you know, if I can remember correctly, I wrote last night how he's 16 of 33 on uh on threes in the bubble that's like almost 50 percent. that's like 48.5 percent um that's obviously a a pretty unsustainable rate but it's kind of you know in the small sample that it is evening out um and getting closer to you know where he was last year where this year he was below 30 percent from three all season and now he he's got that rhythm he's making threes at a high rate um and if he can settle in somewhere, you know, around 35 or, or higher, 
uh, in terms of percentage, I think that's huge for the Bucks. His ability to stretch the floor and make threes and, and kind of pull out defenders from the paint, open things up for Giannis is, is critical. And I think he's been one of the brightest spots, if not the brightest spot on the Bucks uh, in these in these seven games. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that what, what he can do when he is on offensively, whether he's shooting threes or he's working from the post, it is such a major boon uh, for the Bucks and, and definitely uh, elevates them to another level. So uh, I was asking if that had been locked in. The Heat are going to be the four seed. They're going to face either the Pacers or the 76ers in the, second, in the uh, first round. Um, obviously... All three teams present some challenges. The 76ers feel like they're in absolute shambles with Ben Simmons injured, Joel Embiid ailing, a lot of problems for the 76ers. But uh, those are three teams that, that we know could stack up with the Bucs in, in a playoff series. So if 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 the Bucs got to choose their opponent of those three, Miami Heat, Indiana Pacers, Philadelphia 76ers, which team is the one that they're going to least want to see in the second round? And which team is the one that you think is probably the, the most appetizing matchup for the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, I think the team they'd least want to see is Miami, um, mostly because they're healthy. Or they, they they have the ability to be healthy uh, in the second round, and, and that that team has also given them fits uh, at times this season, uh, even when they haven't been healthy. I, I mean, we can remember I think it was the Bucks' um, home opener way back forever ago. Uh, <laughs> that was when... not this season. That was a different time. Are you sure? No, it was this season. I'm kidding. It just feels like it was from a prehistoric era. I mean, I mean, it was. I I could have totally been misremembering. That, that's why I asked if you were sure, because I don't I I don't know if I can like fully completely remember everything from that far back. But that was a game without Jimmy Butler. The Bucks lot they they frittered away a big lead and lost in overtime. Um, yeah, so the Bucks have had trouble with with Miami, and you know that could be a really difficult second round mat- matchup. I think that after that, like the Pacers or Sixers, um, I think you'd rather see the Pacers. Um, the Bucks have generally been better against them historically but the Sixers are I mean most recently when they lost to the Suns the 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 red hot Suns um they were like a skeleton crew um no Embiid no Simmons and you know that that team is built around Embiid and Simmons and Simmons won't be back for the rest of the year with it with his knee uh surgery that he that he had so you know it, it was just Embiid and and the rest of the crew it's a pretty tough team um, but it's nowhere near as tough as, as when they had Ben Simmons in the backcourt and causing matchup problems and just being an absolute menace on defense. Um, I, I think he's one of the best defensive guards in the league. Uh, and, and so him not being out there um, it is a problem for Philly. Like they're, they're going to be able to open the court a little bit more and, because anybody who they put in for him will, will shoot more. Um, but you know th- that's a whole different... Uh, team than they were expecting to have, and so yeah, I, I think that that takes a little bit of the shine off a, a potential Bucks Sixers matchup and makes it a little bit less difficult for the Bucks. Um, but I, but I think that you know if, if it were to uh, if it were to happen, I think it'd still be compelling, um, though the chances are less likely I mean, right now. I just looked at the, the seeding scenarios and Indy Indiana would have to lose out. They'd have to lose on Wednesday to Houston and on Friday to Miami, which you know, it could happen. Uh, and then Philadelphia would have to win out beating Toronto on Wednesday and then beating the Rockets on Friday. Uh, and if that were to happen, if, if Indy loses, loses its last two games and Philly wins its last two games, 
then then the Sixers would move up, move up to the five seed and play Miami in the first round. But barring that situation, uh, it's going to be uh, Bucks Bucks Magic, Raptors Nets, Celtics Sixers, and Heat Pacers in the first round, which I I would venture to say would probably be the most likely scenario. Yeah, that that home opener back in October on October twenty sixth, literally almost a year ago, was one thirty one. 126 overtime loss. T- t- hometown boy Tyler Hero looks very good against the Bucks. He certainly did. Uh, looked very good in the first half, in particular against the Bucks in this game in the bubble. But uh, but uh, the Bucks were able to to bounce back. I do expect that is what we're going to see in the second round. I'd be very surprised if those two teams are not the second round matchup. They they kind of they kind of scare me. Duncan Robinson, the the capability they have of hitting threes at a pretty high rate uh, is certainly something that I think the Bucks. Uh, probably should be worried about before i let you go any last takeaways from these last few games i mean we 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 didn't really get too deep into the miami game it was a while ago now or the dallas game uh any uh, any last thoughts about individual players or things that really intrigued you now that that uh, that we're hitting the home stretch and getting ready for the playoffs you know i think uh i think pat Connaughton's shooting ha- has been impressive I-, I think dante divincenzo's decision making and um Turnovers have been a have been an issue, something that, that he'll need to kind of iron out. Uh, maybe he won't be asked to be in as much of a ball handling role uh, in the future, but I think that at least the decision making, uh, you know, could use a little bit of improvement. I think he's he's been a little bit of a letdown um, in the in the eight seeding games. You know, while I do acknowledge that he's been asked to do more, uh, I, I think that based on where he left off, I think a lot of people were expecting a little bit more out of him and. And so he has some room to to grow uh, as he gets back into uh, as the Bucks get to the playoffs. Um, and I, th- I think that that George Hill is starting to show a little bit more uh, aggressiveness uh, and assertiveness. And maybe part of that is, is Bledsoe was out, uh, you know, against the Wizards. So so George had to do a little bit more. And and I think he he rose to that that occasion. I think Sterling Brown. If we're we're going to talk about recent stuff. He did, he hadn't played a lot, um, but he had a really good game against the Wizards. Um, you know, was able to to find his spots, knock down a bunch of threes, and look like somebody who could be capable of helping the Bucks off the bench uh, in a playoff series, uh, were they to need him or call upon him. Um, I think other than that, I mean, the you know, Bucks are the Bucks, and uh, the the question is just when when will they start to play? You know, at the consistency we've come to expect, like we we know what they're going to do on offense, we know what they're going to do on defense, we know where guys fit, we know their roles. Um, you know, it's just a function of kind of getting to getting back to to normal, and and, and we'll have to see um, if and when that happens. You know what I loved was watching Thanasis play in the in the moments against the Wizards, where where the bench was just freaking out. You know, like. Pat Connaughton's waving his arms like a windmill. George Hill has an expression on his face, you know, that looks like he's been electrocuted. Obviously, the Lopez's are all into it. I mean, that's that's really a cool sign for me because, you know, they've reached a point now in the bubble where they've been there, you know, they've been there a little over a month. And you've got to think that if there is a time for tensions to be rising, this is it. They've been away from their families. They've been kind of stuck together, you know, and, and that's an aspect we probably don't talk about when we see a player like Giannis sort of lash out and headbutt a guy like this. This is a stressful time for these guys. And I'm sure being on the court is similar to 
any other time they're on the court in terms of adrenaline and emotions and stuff. But this is definitely an unusual situation that at this point has got to have been taking its toll a little bit. And to see them just be who they are, ridiculous, crazy people on the sidelines, is kind of nice. You know, it lets you know that they're still, that's still a pretty fun-loving Bucks team. I think, did I also see that they've started their WWE warm-ups again? Is that right? Yeah, they've been doing those for, I think, for a little bit. Uh, I think they've been doing those in, like, the the scrimmages. Oh, okay, okay. I missed that. But uh, but that's that's obviously key. That's the key to their success. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, it has to be. And when you're talking about Thanasis' dunk, I mean, that, that dunk on Pesetchnich uh, was, was just just incredible. Uh, I mean, that guy's, like, seven foot two. Like, you have to remember that, like, he's not just, like, you know, your average-sized human being. Like, he is... He is a seven foot two, uh, or I think he's a seven foot one, but still seven foot two, seven foot one. Either way, he's a big dude. Um, <laughs> so disrespectful. I love and, it. And, and him. Now, if if it had been Mo Wagner instead of uh, Pasechnich, uh, oh that would have been that would have been wild. <laughs> I, I don't Robin know Lopez's been... hair would have started on fire. Yeah, like, like that. I, I feel like Giannis would have like crashed through the wall like the Kool Aid Man, <laughs> like, like like if that happened, like like. That 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 would have been just too too. Nuts. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I mean, if someone wants to make that that uh that visual, like, go ahead. Um, uh, but I, I think that would have been been crazy. You know, oh, and it is man. fun to see those guys kind of enjoying themselves and and to see Thanasis doing what he does. Like he doesn't play very often. Um, but when he does, like you can always count on him bringing the energy and um trying to to do some interesting stuff. I remember he did have a um a pretty significant poster against the magic in, in some like garbage time minutes uh way earlier in the season uh that was you know a, a dunk that that should not be forgotten and, and maybe it could happen again uh come uh come playoff time but i i think that we'd be, we'd be remiss if we didn't also discuss the the most recent developments in the past hour while we were podcasting adrian wojnarowski of espn uh mentioned the the guidelines or he started play like explaining the guidelines for nba guests starting after the first round of the playoffs um you know guests will be allowed in in the bubble are you ready for this jr i i did see this tell me more okay okay so four guests per player but can be exceeded for children children can can be considered um more than people uh or <laughs> however you want to explain that A super person yes um guests can go to games they can travel on team charters after testing um but um the, the the most interesting uh rules that we've seen are that uh you know and obviously there's the important covid related stuff where um you know guests can quarantine in the team market for three days and go to orlando or and then again for four days or they can go straight to orlando and quarantine for seven days and, and then be able to be around um but there are are two two kind of parts of the rules that are they're most interesting uh the first is that uh each players allowed one ticket per playoff game for a guest uh plus an additional admission for a child 32 inches and below so if you want to have a kid who join you for a game uh that doesn't need a ticket they need to be below 32 inches so is is liam and yet over 32 inches i'm not sure uh <laughs> he, he's only he, he's only six months old but you know, so maybe he'll be able he might need his own ticket who knows uh and then the other thing is and, and people have explained kind of mocked this or, or joked about this as being a very millennial rule uh but that an individual player cannot uh or 
players cannot bring in any individual the player has not previously met in person or with whom, <laughs> or with whom the player has had limited in-person interaction. For, for example, they, if, if they are only known to the player through social media or an intermediary. Oh, so, so, so we will not be having, or at least we should not be having any Instagram models uh, sh- showing up to games or, or friends of friends. Uh, so, so, you know, I, we, we're not going to have anybody who, um, you know, if, if you don't know any of the Bucks right now, I guess you can't go. I, I think that's the rule, even if they have retweeted you or liked your tweets in the past. <laughs> Which one of the Raptors is going to give up their ticket so Drake can enter the bubble? That's a question I have right now. That, that's a good question. Uh, who, who's going to bring Dr. Dave into the bubble? Who's gonna, who, who, who's, who's, how, how are we going to get a Gruber Law Office's presence <laughs> in, in, in the bubble? Um, you know, <laughs> that's something where like, they, they go through the, the younger guys or, you know, okay, Frank Mason, you're on a two-way contract. You need to bring in all the... All, <laughs> All these like you know Bucks favorites or or Bucks representatives, um, you know representative fans to the bubble. Um, yeah, how, how do they figure it out to get as many front office people or or Bucks staff people, uh, family of ownership? H- how do they get all those people uh, extended family into the bubble so they can have as many people there as possible? Now they can't have anybody. Their guests can't include uh, current. Pres- Effective staff or business relationships, including agents, trainers, massage therapists, all that stuff. Uh, so they can't do that. And, and there, there are certain rules. And, and a lot of this is joking. I'm sure a lot of guys will just have their wives, girlfriends, kids, mom, dad, siblings. Um, but, you know, it, it's fun to, to consider who might bring interesting people who, I guess, they're friends. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, wh- where does this all go? And what kind of shenanigans could happen? Um, yeah, so th- this is kind of fun. I'm, I'm glad we can kind of end on a, on a more fun fun subject. I have got to, I, I and I'm sure we'll learn why the inch restriction, 32 inches. I mean, I know that they're trying to get only very small children. I get that. But like, it's such a weird, I mean, do they want to make sure these kids can't go on the Disney rides while they're there? It's just, I'm a little, I'm, I'm very curious to know what uh, what the decision making was to get to that. But uh, I, I'm guessing it's probably like those kids below that size don't need a ticket because they'll be like lap children. Yes. But it's like, okay, you can have somebody who, you know, kids will have their own tickets, but if they're under three, 32 inches, they don't need a ticket because they can just sit on your lap. I'm guessing that's what it is. But but, but fa- seats won't be the problem. There are going to be plenty of seats. So it's not about like spacing necessarily. I, I have no idea if they'll have plenty of seats or not. I, I don't know how they're going to hand out tickets. I mean, if you count 16 or 17 guys per, per team and they each get like four tickets, that's a lot of math. But. You know, we're we're looking at uh, coaches and all that stuff, and yeah, you know, I don't know, but uh, we'll we'll have to see. It'll be fun. He is Matt Velasquez, Milwaukee Bucks beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Find everything he has at jsonline.com. We've got one more game against the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday before we get to the good stuff. The first round of the NBA playoffs will begin next week, and uh, the Bucks, we know, will be playing the Orlando Magic in the opening round, the 1-8 seed matchups in the Eastern Conference. But uh, lots of basketball for you to watch. If you're just an NBA fan, this chase for the 8th seed in the West is going to be off the chain. You're going to love it. Uh, lots of uh, lots of fun stuff. Damian Lillard is just, like, on another planet, right? He's going to be the MVP of the bubble, which uh, which we did find out there is going to be, like, an all-bubble team. So that's kind of fun. Uh, I don't imagine any Bucks will make that list, but... Uh, but there's, uh, there's some fun basketball to watch. So thank you, Matt. We will chat with you again real soon. Absolutely. Can't wait. And everybody, make sure to schedule your 
oral surgery so around any Bucks games. Just just do that. That's right. And if you did have oral surgery, don't be headbutting. It's bad for your teeth. It's a bad idea for your teeth. Find us on Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. We uh, Leave us a rating and review. We're here every week. You can also find me or Matt on Twitter pretty easily. He's Matt underscore Velasquez. I'm at JR Radcliffe. Let us know what you think. We'll chat with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.